you're wondering, what is a Pathfinder Club? The Pathfinder Club is a youth organization sponsored by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. There are over 30,000 Pathfinder Clubs operating in over 120 countries. Today is a very special day for the Pathfinder Club at the Abundant Life Church. To speak to us today is Pastor Jonathan Henderson. Pastor Henderson is no stranger to Abundant Life. He was here in 1995 as a you as a intern here over the summer and now he's a senior pastor for the Grand Avenue Seventh-day Adventist Church in Oakland, California. Amen. Pastor Henderson and his wife are both graduates of Pacific Union College and Alex Sister Henderson Sister Henderson was here today to um, wave to the congregation. Amen. Amen. I met Pastor Henderson when I was a student at the University of South Florida. We have a collegiate retreat every year, and all of the Adventist student organizations would meet, and the Florida Conference brought him, in, brought him in to speak for two years in a row, and it left a lasting impression. I tried to get him here three years ago, and was unsuccessful, and I'm very, very happy that he's here today. He has a very unique preaching style, which you're going to be favored to today. But before Pastor Henderson speaks, we're going to have a sacred selection from our mass choir. And the next voice you will hear will be that of Pastor Jonathan Henderson. Thank you. Yeah. 
situation But with every test and every trial There's a revelation That God is able To supply every one of your needs He's here to touch you, heal you Cause God can heal you And he can deliver He'll mend the brokenness Specific miracle for you, for your needs. It is good to be back home at the Highland Square Seventh Day. Oh no, 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 that's that's too far back, huh? <laughs> that's old school. I was here when they broke ground for this church. So I remember I was there for the ceremony when they stuck the shovel in the ground. I was here for a little bit of that drama that went on as well, but God is good, amen? <laughs> all the devil does is just mess with us, that's all. He can't defeat us. He can't win. 
He just likes to agitate, but that's all good. You see, I, I always tell the devil that when he messes me, messes with me, he encourages me. He, he makes me think that I'm on the right path. Because if I wasn't, he'd probably leave me alone. So when he starts messing with me, I say, all right, devil, you, you know something good's about to happen. And you scared. So it is good to be back here in Vegas. My, my wife and I have been enjoying ourselves here. We, uh, we, we needed some time to get away. Uh, and I bring you greetings from your sister church in Oakland, California. We, we go by the name of The Grand. So The Grand just wants to let you know that, that, that you have a home church when you're visiting in the Bay. If you want to come out to San Francisco, you have a place to worship and fellowship. And I want to thank uh, uh, Elder Rock for allowing me to stand behind his desk this morning. And you have a well-renowned uh, senior pastor. And I was so excited to be able to be here in his church. And I want to thank Adrian for being so diligent and, and making sure that I, that I got here. In fact, when my wife and I arrived on, uh, on Wednesday evening, he, uh, he, said, he said, Pastor, I want to pick you up at the airport. And I said, no, that's all right. We'll just take a taxi. So we fly in. I let him know that we touched down. He says, I want to pick you up at the airport. I said, that's all right. We'll just take a cab. And then I saw the line waiting for the cabs. I said, all right, brother, you can pick us up. So we're, so we're so happy to be here. We've just been enjoying ourselves. Let's get into the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So in the Gospel according to Luke, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, I have to tell you, I, it's, it's 10 after 12. I'm, I'm just excited. You, you all got me up here on time. The burden is now on me. Luke, chapter 19. Starting with verse 1. Luke, all right. Luke's in the New Testament, y'all. Let's do this. In the New Testament, the third book. All right. Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was. And he sought to see who Jesus was. The title of today's message is Life on a Limb. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it is in your presence that we desire to be. We thank you so much that you have created a space in time where we can come together and experience the synergy and the energy of the saints. Father, we thank you that, that you fellowship and, and, and allow yourself to be adored and worshiped. Father, you don't, have to, you don't have to spend time here, but you choose to. We thank you for passing through. And so right now, we just want to see who you are. We just want to see you. So pass through. In Jesus' name, let the redeemed say, amen. 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 Thank you, Pathfinders, for allowing me to be here. Um, I was never a Pathfinder, and I, and I keep getting asked to speak for Pathfinder days, and I don't know why. So I might as well let you all know, I've never been a Pathfinder. I don't know the pledge. I don't know how to march. All the about face stuff, I don't even know. 
I, I think I started something close to Pathfinders where I think it was called Busy Bees or something. I had some kind of adventure. Is that what adventurers were? Okay. And I had like a little Busy Bee, like little pin. That was it. And then I just didn't get any far, further than that. So I, but I'm glad to be a part of it because, because you know, it's, it's, it's our youth being active. It's our, it's our youth being in service. And, and now I wish my mom had put me in Pathfinders. I know you're telling me I'm not too old. I know you're thinking right now, you're not too old to join. But I have a, few, a little, little more on my plate than, than already, and I don't, I don't want to add any more. But I love being a part of Pathfinders when it comes to the day. So Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus was passing through. He was passing through. I, I don't know about you, but I'm glad he passes through. <laughs> he doesn't have to, but he chooses to. I, I'm so glad that when, when Adam and Eve did take that fruit, that forbidden fruit, and, and, they, and they ate of it, the, the Bible tells us that God passes through. He, he comes in the cool of the day in, in Genesis chapter 3, and, and he's walking among the trees. I, I love this response because, you know, God could have come like Godzilla. You know that, right? Fire breathing, the blazing eyes, the heat vision, all that kind of stuff. He, he could have come all scary, but the Bible says that after sin, after man had fallen, he just kind of just, just like y'all chill and everything, just, just walking through the garden, you know? You know, you know, my parents weren't like that when I got caught. You know, God didn't ask Adam and Eve to go to the nearest tree and, and, and fashion a switch. <laughs> Y'all don't know about all that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I in the right place? Yeah. Is this, this is not a timeout believing generation. <laughs> so we can laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny back then. God didn't roll like that. In fact, when, when he comes, he passes through, he actually begins to ask questions. Now, I know there's, there's, some, there's some people, there's some people that, 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 you know, believe that God was simply asking questions because he, he, he wanted to see what Adam and Eve's response would be. I, I believe if, if he's all-knowing that he doesn't need to see what the, he already knows what the response is going to be. I, I don't believe that's the reason why God asked questions. In fact, they even, tell, they even tell parents today that when you catch your children in the act, don't ask them what was going on. Don't, don't, ask, don't try to see if they'll confess. Don't ever put them in a situation where they'll be tempted to lie. Just tell them straight up, I know what happened. <laughs> when you know what went down, you start, you know, Jimmy, what, what were you just doing an hour ago? <laughs> uh, I was cleaning my room, huh? You see, so, so, so I don't believe God plays games like that. See, I believe that when God asks a question, it's because he wants an answer. I believe in the God that doesn't force his way upon us, that he doesn't push his, himself upon us. He's the kind of God that won't read your diary without your permission. He's the kind of God that knocks and waits until you open up before he comes in. So, so God could have come like Godzilla. He could have come with the heat vision. He could have come with the x-ray vision and said, I know what y'all just did right now. The alarm went off in heaven. It's red alert and I'm running down here. You're going to get it. But God walks. He walks. And he asks. I won't come in unless you allow me to come in. Adam, Eve, where are you? He waits for their response. He waits for their invitation. 
And I love, I love it that, that God even waited for our invitation before he came to this earth, believe it or not. Some people don't like that. They don't like that. But you have to understand the people of God were praying for a savior. They were praying for a deliverer. You see, the old ways weren't working out. The old covenant wasn't working out. It wasn't because it was, it, was, it was God's bad. It was man's bad. Man couldn't keep up his end of the bargain. He, couldn't, he, couldn't, he, couldn't, he wasn't honoring his commitment. So God says, I will give a new covenant. And it won't be like the old covenant where I had to grab the hand of your forefathers and lead them out. He says, no, that this will be a, a new covenant where I will write my laws in your hearts. And in your minds, I will, I will put my spirit in you. No longer will my spirit be confined to a temple. It will be inside of you. You will be my temple. And no longer will a man have to teach his brother, know the Lord. This is Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33. No longer will a, a man have to teach his brother, know the Lord. For all, the Bible says, will know me. All of them will know me, from the greatest to the least, and, 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 and they will know who I am. I love this. Life eternal, John 17, 3, is that you may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Not what you know, but who you know. So in this new covenant, God himself comes to this earth. He passes through, and, and he comes in a way where it's not intimidating. See, in the Garden of Eden, you have to understand something. Sin makes God look scary. God himself is not scary. It is sin that makes God look scary. Remember, we, are, we, we know in Genesis 3, God's just chill. He's just walking. He's not screaming. He's not yelling. He doesn't have a belt, a, a switch. Nothing like that, the back of his shoe, nothing like that at all. <laughs> He's just walking. It's Adam and Eve who are scared. And he says, why are you scared? Why were you afraid? Because we were naked. We were ashamed. Who told you you were naked? Wait a second, wait a second. There's no fear in love. How is it that you can fear me? What, wait, wait, wait a second. What is going on? There is no fear in love. For, for perfect love cast out all fear. Because fear, 1 John 4 tells us, has to do with torment or punishment. There is no fear in love. So God says, wait a second. What are we, wait a second. Did you eat the fruit I told you not to? Didn't I tell you this is what was going to happen when you affiliate yourself with sin? You see, when we affiliate ourselves with the enemy, when we decide to bargain with him, when we decide to, to, to be bed buddies with him, when we decide to compromise our beliefs, our values, our principles, it is sin that brings about the fear. It is sin that brings about the shame, not God. I can't stand when people start talking about the Holy Spirit is, has, has been convicting me. I feel so much shame and so much. This Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit never tries to shame you. That's the enemy's tactics. The Holy Spirit's responsibility, only responsibility, is to convict you. That's it. It's to tell you what is right and what is wrong. All that other stuff you feel afterwards is your own mess. That's you. Not the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a feeling. So the Holy Spirit came upon me and now I feel a certain... Those are just your feelings. That's it. So when, you're, when, you, when you were in church and for the first time you, you, you heard drums in the church and you felt awkward, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. You were just out of your comfort zone. That's all it was. 
That's all it was. It was, it was, it was and, and the first time the piano was in the church, believe it or not, the people also felt awkward. The first time they heard an organ in the sanctuary, they also felt awkward. Wasn't the Holy Spirit. They were just out of their comfort zone. So, so, so don't mistake in the Holy Spirit for your feelings or indigestion. When it comes to your relationships and you say, I've been praying, I just feel a certain way. I just feel like it's right. Listen, if it's not according to God's word, it isn't right. That's it. Even if you don't feel it. Jesus didn't feel it in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Because, Daddy, if it's up to me right now, I'm rolling. My boys are asleep. I know what they're about to do, and I know what they want to do to me. My enemies want to do to me. I'm out of here. But not what I feel, Father. Not what I feel is right right now. Not according to my flesh. No, what you want, what your will is, that's what I'm going to submit to. So I'm so glad that God passes through. He passes through. He waits for our invitation. The people cried out for a savior and God came in a, in a way where it wasn't intimidating. It wasn't scary. He comes, he comes as a baby. God had to learn how to walk. God at one time needed his diapers changed. God at one time would, would scrape his knee and cry and ask Mama Mary to, 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 to kiss it to make it mow better. Your God at one time was nine years old and ten years old. Your God at one time went through puberty. Your God at one time had to look in the mirror and see a pimple for the first time. Your God at one time was a teenager. That was your God. And he came in the form of man just so we wouldn't run anymore. Don't be scared. I know you're naked and ashamed, and guess what? I'll be naked and ashamed as well. I'll do whatever it takes. Just stop running. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want you to be scared of me. I want you to trust me. What I give to you is, is blessings. What I give to you is life. What I give to you is freedom. I'm not trying to enslave you. I'm not trying to intimidate you. Look at I'm your same height. I'm, I'm five foot six. Don't worry. I'm not going to intimidate you anymore. I won't thunder. I'll whisper. God passes through. So when, 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 you, when you read in the word of God, God becoming man, you have to understand something. That was all about you. That was all about you. And sometimes we talk about the plan of salvation. We think that, that God somehow, he was, he was in, in, in heaven and, and, and he, he, he planned this all out. It was all his thing and, and we had no say in it and how it was going to be done. God understands, knows our situation. He understands our circumstances. And believe it or not, it wasn't God's plan for his son to be crucified. It was our decision for him to be crucified that he was willing to accept through God's foreknowledge, that he was willing to accept our treatment of him, doesn't mean that was the way he wanted it to go down. Why else would he send a dream to Pilate's wife? And why would she go to Pilate and say, have nothing to do with this man? If God was like, Pilate, just read the script. Judas, just read the script. Peter, just do it. Just... All right, crowd, listen. On my cue, I want everybody to shout at the top of their lungs, crucify him. This is how I wrote it out, okay, in the script. You read it. Now go. He didn't do it that way, did he? It was you and I that cried crucify him. 
It was our decision to put a crown of thorns on his head. It was our decision to choose Barabbas over him. That God was willing to accept our choice for him doesn't mean that was his perfect will. I like to call it his permissive will. So the plan of salvation, it's very complex, but God's purpose in coming to this earth was for you and I to be able to touch and see him. In fact, John 17, 4 says, he says this, Father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. I have glorified you here on earth. I've shown them, Father, who you are. This is life eternal, that they may know thee. And Father, I will give my life. Now understand this, family, understand this. Jesus dying on the cross did not that the cross itself did not kill him. Understand that. Jesus was dying in the garden of Gethsemane. You all know that, Bible students. He said, my spirit was sorrowful unto what? Unto death. He was dying in the garden of Gethsemane, and no one had touched him. And someone's going to tell me, but pastor, there is no forgiveness of sins without what? The shedding of blood. But Luke tells us that Christ was bleeding in the garden. Blood was pouring out of his pores. And no one had touched him because the, the, the wages of sin is death, not crucifixion. It is, it is God withdrawing. It is God performing the strange act. One day withdrawing from his creation forever. He's never done that before. God has never withdrawn his presence. The only one who's ever experienced is Christ at Calvary. And this is what was crushing the heart of Christ. This is, what he was, this is what he was so afraid of. This is why he said at Calvary, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was the price of sin, not the crown of thorns, not the scourging, not the cross. That was our plan for him. But what Christ was willing to do is experience separation. That was God's part. And that's all that needed to happen. He would have shed blood. He would have experienced excruciating pain. We wanted all the other effects. That's what we wanted. So Christ was willing to pass through. We need to understand this before we go any further. Christ passing through is about you and I. Christ passing through is about you and I. He passes through with a purpose so that you can get to know him. As our verse said this morning, I no longer call you servants for servants do not know what? Their master's business, but I have called you Growing up, I used to always hear, serve him, serve him. You better serve him. You better do what he says. You better do it. You know, he's the master. You're the servant. You better follow. And Christ says, wait a second. I understand that model, but what I really want is a friendship. I want us to reason with one another. I want us to share. I, it's not about me being master and you being servant. In fact, I don't even call you servants any longer because I tell you everything. I open up my diary to you. I want you to know everything. Now, I understand. I know that that, that version of God isn't the, the strong, muscular God version that we have grown up hearing about. I know. I know. I know. I, I, and listen, I, I, I grew up in a church that, you know, God was, Jesus was like six foot five. You know, because he was a carpenter, everyone considered him to have bulging biceps. But what if God was pale white? How would you feel about that? What if he was five foot three? I know many carpenters don't look like they've been working out at Bally's or 24-hour fitness. So what if he was short, small, maybe a little pudgy? Could he still be your savior? Amen. Could he still be your God? Amen. God wants to be our friend. He doesn't want to intimidate you into the kingdom. He wants to love you into the kingdom. 
If you are drawn by any other reason other than love, you're going for the wrong reasons. Satan has used other ways to try to scare us into the church or scare us out of the church. And God says, I'm passing through for the sole reason so that you will never be scared again. Now let's get on to the story. He passes through. The Bible tells us that Zacchaeus, who is a chief tax collector and very rich, wants to see him. Now, the first time I read this, I thought to myself, why in the world would a chief tax collector, a man at the top of his game, he's the, he's the CEO of his company, why in the world would he want to see Jesus? He's rich, he's, he's popular, maybe for the wrong reasons in some circles. He has, he, 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 has, he has the power and the money. And of course, we know, fellas, what comes along with power and money. Some interest from the opposite gender. We might think from reading Ecclesiastes like Solomon, he had everything a man could want. But if we read Ecclesiastes, we find out that even a man who is wealthy, powerful, famous, and has all the women a, a man could want, still is not happy. So Zacchaeus was missing out on something. So I'm going to tell you right now. Young people, let me tell you something right now. So your parents already know this. Some of them don't, but most of them do. I don't care if you get the nicest car, the nicest home, the nicest job. You have the most beautiful wife, that everything that you wanted in life that you had planned when you were a teenager, when you get it all, believe it or not, you're going to be just like Solomon. It's all meaningless. It's meaningless. We, we, we get caught up in this American dream. We didn't even dream it ourselves. America put it on us. We, we, we have to own this. We have to have this. And when we have it, we say, now what? I got to pay a mortgage? <laughs> and pay tax on it? No one told me about this. And there's interest? Get out of here. Oh, that's the American dream, all right. Oh, you are always going to be in debt. Oh, no, do a reverse mortgage. No, you can get the, yeah, the equity in the home. Oh, isn't America great? Wow. When everybody was buying a home, everybody could get it. You don't have to put anything down on it. You just have to look at it, and it's yours. Yay! I own a home. That's why I love what Solomon says at the end of Ecclesiastes. Says, Let me tell you this. The, last, the second to the last verse. He says, after all this, I only have one thing to tell you. Have reverence for God and keep his commands. For this is the whole duty of man. Uh, Solomon had gotten to the point where he realized just being in that relationship with God is what life was really all about. Even Christ says in Matthew 6, there's more to life than what we eat and what we drink and what we wear. And we worry about these things. Even in the, in the economic uh, uh, crisis that we're in, we have people that are stressed out. For what? For what? You don't have enough money? Because you don't have green paper? You're going to lose your mind? It's paper! That's all it is. It's paper. Some of us would do good to downgrade, not upgrade, but downgrade. And you would be just as happy. One of my favorite authors is a, is a Catholic priest. Is that okay? His name is Anthony DeMello. There are some Catholic priests that drop some knowledge. You know that, right? And one of the things I, I love from a book is entitled The Way to Love. He, he says that we don't gain happiness by gaining more in life. 
but by subtracting what we have in life. That's just deep. That's just too deep almost for me. I had to put the book down. I'm not going to read this mess anymore. <laughs> he said, but by subtracting, it's not about adding, but by subtracting in life. That's when you know a person who is happy. When they can, they can drive a Toyota Corolla, even though, they, even though they, 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 they have a job where they can bring home $200,000 in a year, and they can still drive a Toyota Corolla. That's a happy person, I can tell you that right now. They're like, man, I was happy with this Corolla when I was in college. I'm going to be happy with it right now. I don't need my seats to warm and my steering wheel to warm up or anything like that. I'll just let the sun hit it and warm it up. Hello. Old school. And where, where, you, where, you, where you live, you, 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 live a certain, you have a certain standard of living and, 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 and you don't, even if God blesses you with more, you say, Lord, if you bless me with more, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go old school like the, act, the church in Acts. I'm just going to give it back to you. You know, the, you know, the church in Acts, they, they, didn't, they, didn't even, they didn't concern themselves all with tithe like you and I do. We just want to make sure we return God 10%. The old school church in, in Acts, they, they would sell everything and give the money to the church. They weren't worried about 10%. They were like, what? Lord, can we give? Listen, hold up, Lord. We're going to give you everything we have. Everything. Doctors, lawyers, they put it all in the same pot. And the shepherds and the garbage collectors, they all made the same money because the doctors and lawyers, they said, look, we're all going to make the same. There's not going to be no status here in the church. We're all part of the same body. Everyone's going to be blessed. When they hook up with this church, when they're in the body of Christ, everybody's going to be blessed. So that's why I know Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He realized that what the world had to offer was emptiness. He didn't want it anymore. He wants to see Jesus. And I challenge you, if you've been in this rat race and you've been thinking that if you could only have an HD screen TV now, and if you could only get the faster computer, the faster car, the, the prettier girlfriend, if you thought that that was what was going to make you happy, a, a, bit, a, a better promotion at job, if you thought that was going to satisfy, I'm going to let you know right now, only Christ alone has the water that if we drink it, we'll never thirst again. Yeah. Only he. Now, what the world gives us, oh, they'll give us highs. But we always come back wanting more, don't we? We're never satisfied. A year later, you're going to want something newer, something faster, something better, something bigger, something smaller. You're always going to want that. So Zacchaeus says he wants to see Jesus. I love it. And he knows that Christ is passing through, so he shows up. Now, understand something. Jesus was popular back in the day. He might not be popular in your household or in your workplace. But back in the day, when Christ would show up at a city, everybody would show up. The whole city was packed. The streets were packed. And, and Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't because of the crowd. And the Bible says, the Bible says that because of the crowd and because of his short stature in verse 3, he was unable to see Jesus. Now, I, listen, I, I know exactly how short Zacchaeus was. But I know, I know that some of us don't allow our physical stature to get in the way of us seeing Jesus. A lot of us will allow our spiritual stature to get in the way of us seeing Jesus. Because of our own shortcomings, we, we become discouraged by the crowd. See, a lot of us come to church, and I, as the brother mentioned, he said, you know, this, is, this place is a hospital, and so, you know, you, know this, you should expect there to be sick people up in this place, right? And I agree. But I also agree that if a hospital can't make people better, it should be out of business. You know that, right? So if you come to a hospital, expect to be healed. And accept the doctor's orders. 
If all you want to do is just show up and, and get, pop a little few painkillers to get through the next week and come back to church and say, Pastor, preach me someone's going to make me feel good. And that's all church is to you. You've come to the wrong place. Pack your bags. Watch Dr. Phil. Church is more than just painkiller. See, church doesn't try to ignore the pain. It attacks it. It wants to get to the root of the problem. It wants to fix you. It wants to help heal you. If you've come just to simply be placated and, and, and be amused, you've come to the wrong place. Yes, it's a hospital where people get well. God loves you exactly the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. But we come to church and, and, we, and, and some of us, we, we get discouraged because we, we wear such beautiful ornamented masks. We, 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 we know how to play the game so well. We've grown up in the church and we know how to act all Sabbathy. So, 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 so we, we, we have, you know, legitimate, sincere sinners that come through these doors and, and when they look at you and oh, you're so well, you open up. You really never talk about your problems and your addictions. You never, you never want to talk about how, how last night you were, 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 were at the website Bathsheba.com. You, you don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. The only time you give a testimony is about where you were victorious. You know those, you know how they are, right? They always have a testimony about how they overcame, but they don't have a testimony about how they're struggling at the moment and they need prayer. Everything's external. Well, you know, I, I pray about a job I'm trying to get, but don't, don't pray about, you know, I need to overcome my temper. I'm driving my husband crazy right now with some of my erratic ways, and, and, and I don't think that my home should be a place where there's no peace. So, so pray about my attitude adjustment. That's real prayer meeting. We still show up for prayer meeting, right? We do that here? We do that in Vegas? Amen. That's good. That's good. But that's what we need. So, so, so when people come through these doors, they're not intimidated. And they don't look, trying to, trying to see Jesus, but they can't see Jesus because of you. Because of how we are. We get in the way and the crowd intimidates people of small spiritual stature to the point where they say, you know what? It's just too much work. I see all these laws and these regulations and these restrictions and, and, and people are cold and they're indifferent and they don't care about me. I'm leaving. I know why people don't trust God. I know why they don't like God. I know why they don't love him. It's not because of him. It's because of us. It is. We are the worst reps. We are. In fact, I love the way Gandhi says it. He says, I have no problem with Christianity. I love the Christian message. My problem is with Christians. We don't look like God. We don't act like God. We are not a reflection of God. And, and stop giving that excuse for God's still working on me. I'm so tired of hearing that all the time. It's an excuse all the time. God's still working on me, so it's, it's okay. It's okay if I misrepresent him. Listen, when you join the team, that's why I like the way Paul says it. He says, when you join the team, he says, listen, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, growing up in the 80s, I, I, I used to pretend I was a skater. And, and I really wasn't a skater. But I, I pretended I was. And you know what they call people like that? They call them posers. 
So I was, I was a poser or, or, or I was a wannabe. But see, God doesn't mind you being a wannabe when it comes to following his footsteps. Because we want to be like him. We want to imitate him. I just got to be real. I just can't be fake. Look, look it. Being real doesn't get you anywhere. You want to be like Jesus. Someone likes to say it, fake it till you make it, right? I know that's not scripture, so I don't follow that. I'm say, what I'm saying is that you're saying, God, you are the example. And I want to follow in those footsteps. My heart still is desperately wicked and, and my righteousness is filthy rags, but I want to follow in your footsteps. I don't even feel like doing it right now, but I know it's the right thing to do. So I'm going to do it. Lord, I don't feel like being forgiving. I don't feel like being nice to this person, but you've called me to be nice to this person. So in spite of my own wickedness, in spite of my own personal problems with this person, I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be obedient, Lord. I'm going to imitate you. That's what we're called to do. So let's be imitators, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. Let's be imitators of Christ. Don't wait until it's all, for most of us, we won't be perfect until he comes again. And don't wait until the end before you say, okay, now I'll be nice. Now I'll be like Jesus. Start now. If you want to be like a citizen of the kingdom of God, start acting like it now. If you want to be like a citizen of the kingdom, start eating like it now. Oh boy. We still have a health message here, right? I, ho I hope so. I hope so. Because that's one of the things I, I, I loved about the, the Advent message. It was holistic. It wasn't, just about, it wasn't just about the afterlife, it was about the before life as well. Amen? Amen. I, I, hope, I hope that we still want to go back to Eden, right? You know in the Garden of Eden when God created things, he said it was good. After every day, it was good. He saw it was good. And, 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 in, and in chapter 1 of Genesis, he gives man his diet. In verses 28 and 29, he gives the diet for man. You know that, right? right. And Chicken McNuggets were on it. You know that, right? <laughs> And after all that, he says it was good. So anything that God permitted and allowed beyond that wasn't good. Even though he permitted it, it wasn't good. Y'all hear that? You don't go to scripture, oh, but the Lord allowed it. The Lord allowed, the Lord allowed a lot of things he didn't like. He allowed divorce. He didn't like that. He allowed eating the flesh. He didn't like that. He allowed there to be a king in Israel, and he for sure didn't like that. But he gave in to the people. All right, not what I want. I'll give in to you what you want. But you watch out, because you're going to regret this decision. In fact, I, 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 I love looking at the, the, the uh, Genesis, the, 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 the chronology of all the people that passed down throughout the generations and how long they lived. And I love reading that because, you know, Noah's like 950 years old. He comes off the ark and God says, all right, all right, guys, I'll allow you to eat flesh. And like overnight, they go from 950 to 500. Oprah just did a special about the blue zones all out in the world, and, 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 they, and they targeted the Seventh Avenue community in Loma Linda, California. In fact, two years ago in National Geographic, they had an article, and the longest living group on this planet 
They had three, but of the three, the one they said that had not compromised in their longevity was the group in Loma Linda, California. And people come to me and they say, wow, are all Adventists like that? I have to sadly say no. No, 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 we're not all like that. In fact, you know, just so I can keep it biblically sound, the Bible does permit for you to eat certain flesh. It does. It's not a salvific thing. I'm not saying that if you eat cow that, you know, you can't enter the kingdom of God. I'm not going to say that. My thing is about choosing what is best. Not God's permissive will, but his perfect will. And if you do want to stick straight to scripture on that, you know you have to eat flesh that has been drained of all its fluids, right? No blood, right? That's right. You know what they call that kind of meat? Kosher. KFC ain't kosher. You know that, right? <laughs> if you want to be a people of the Bible, you got to stick straight to the word. In fact, I love God has a sense of humor. He gave them, he gave them such, such strict restrictions that after they, they were done draining that flesh of all its blood, it tasted like paper. In fact, the stuff that gives the blood its seasoning, other than shake and bake and all the other stuff, what people like, you know, they like the juices coming out. They want it medium rare. They want that. It, it comes from the blood and the uric acid. You know what uric acid is? It's urine. That's right. That's what tastes so good in meat. Mmm. That's why people don't like kosher meat, because when you drain it of all its fluids, it doesn't have as much taste to it. But if you want to be straight Bible, and I hope you are, and you must eat meat, you have to, because if you didn't, oh my word, what would happen to your life? If you have to, then you better eat the paper kind. Amen? <laughs> so the Bible tells us in Luke 19 that he, he can't see over the crowd. Family, again, I encourage you. Don't get in the way of people seeing Jesus. Don't get in the way. I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to be transparent. God wants you to be transparent. But as you are being transparent, telling people who you're struggling with, you keep before you the ideal that God has placed before you to be like Christ. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you, that, 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 that you're fake. I'm not encouraging that. I'm not saying pretend that you have it all together. I'm saying be real that you don't have it all together. But be real that you're, that you're working towards the one that you've been called to be like. That's all I'm simply saying. I, I, God doesn't want us to, 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 to play church for the rest of our lives here on this earth. It does us no good. It does him no good. We can't grow if all we simply do is come here to hide. This is not a hiding place. This is a place where we can grow, where we can be challenged, where we can, where we can move to the next level. And that's what God wants. And I'm glad. You know, I, 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 people talk about perfection. And I say, you know, it's funny because we want the perfect wife, the perfect husband. We want the perfect job, the perfect car, the perfect house. We want our, we want our baseball team, basketball team, football team to have the perfect season. We want everything in life to go perfect except for us. That's the only place where we trip and say, I'm not perfect. And we almost don't want to be. Why not? Everything else around you want to be perfect except for you? That doesn't make much sense, does it? So the Bible tells us that he can't see over the crowd. So what, what, what Zacchaeus does, he does something that I actually think is quite humiliating. A grown man begins to climb a tree. He climbs the tree. Like a little kid, he, he, he climbs the tree. 
He climbs this tree, he gets to the top of the tree, and I, I, I'm sure the crowd begins to kind of snicker and laugh because they know who Zacchaeus is, and they probably know because of his stature that's the reason why he's climbing the tree. So they're probably making a bit of fun of him, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care what his friends say, he doesn't care what his co-workers say, he doesn't care what people say, oh, you're a Jesus freak now, oh, look at you, you're trying to be all goody two-shoe, look at you, a tax collector, okay, that's so cute. He doesn't care anymore. No, he's climbing the tree. And when he gets to the top of the tree, the Bible says that he can see Jesus. It's at this, what I like to call, vantage point, where he gets to see Christ clearly. You know what? I've heard people say, I can't hear God. It's difficult for me to, to, to hear God. The brother was mentioning uh, uh, right after Sabbath school about, about, about praying and, and reading your Bible before you go to bed, uh, um, um, right when you wake up and sneak it in at noon. I forgot your last name, brother. But yeah, you're, and so and so, and this was this was powerful. And they said, "But I can't hear God. It's too boring. It's too difficult." But this is what I believe. I actually believe it's hard for us to hear God because we always have something else going on. We always have earphones in our ears. We always have the TV going. The radio's always going. It's hard for us to see God because the cell phone's always on. We always have to text message somebody. We always have all this other stuff going on. When God says, "Listen, if you want to commune with me, sometimes you must get away." Find a vantage point where you seal off time and it says, it's just me and you, Lord. No more noise around me. I want to meditate. Is it okay to meditate as a Christian? Is that okay? To pray and meditate on the Lord and his word? I love it. I love it in, 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 in uh, 1 Kings chapter 20 when Elijah wants to have an encounter with God and the Bible says that a strong wind comes and it shatters the rocks and a great fire comes and passes through the cave and, and you know, and there's a great earthquake. All these natural catastrophes happening before Elijah. And after each one, the Bible clearly says, and God was not in either one. And then Elijah hears a still, small voice. And after hearing that still, that still small voice, then he humbles himself to pray. Sometimes we need to let the earthquake and the fires and all that other stuff just subside long enough for us to hear God's voice. It's okay if the iPod's not on. You're going to make it. It's okay if you get in the car and you don't turn the radio on. You'll make it. I believe. Silence won't kill you. I've tried it. I'm a survivor of silence. It works. I don't even know how to turn the radio on anymore. I'm serious. And I'm even talking for those that have to have somebody preaching as well. Or you, you put in your gospel CD. You still are addicted to noise. Turn it off. Because you ain't listening to it. You just bobbing your head to it. And you feel like it's okay because it has a good message. But it's still a distraction. Sometimes you need to turn down even the, the sacred music. Turn it down. Whitley Fibs, Heritage Singers, just Brooklyn Tab. Kirk Franklin, just turn it, just turn it off. It's going to be okay. I think you'll make it to work in one piece. Find a vantage point where you can see God more clearly, hear his voice more clearly. That's what Zacchaeus does. I'm going up to the top of the tree. It might be humiliating, but that's okay. It's worth it. I get to see Jesus. I get to hear him. It's worth it. So he gets to the top of the tree, he sees Jesus, and Jesus is walking with the crowd, and everybody's excited. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. They're so excited, right? They have their signs, John 3, 16. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They're all pumped up, and Jesus is walking, and you know, he's touching people. People are grabbing the hem of his garment, grabbing sandals. You know, it's, it's, it's all this wonderful 
stuff going on. This, this, this organized mayhem. And Jesus gets right underneath the tree of Zacchaeus and he stops. And everybody else stops. There's a hush. I'm sure Pete says, all right, who touched him? Who touched him? <laughs> Jesus, someone touched you. Power pastor. No, Pete, be quiet. Wait a second. Shh. Is there a leper among us? Come out. Someone's about to get healed. Jesus, what did you see? Is there a blind man? Is, is someone calling out your name, son of David? Come on, Jesus. You're about to perform a miracle, right? What's going to happen? Oh, it's going to be so exciting. Go, Jesus. Shh. <laughs> Wait a second. Jesus looks up, and he sees Look up and they all see Zacchaeus. If they didn't know he was up in the tree, they know it. That's a squirrel, man. Come on, Jesus. Is <laughs> that a man? It is a man. Oh, it is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, get down here right now. Man, I am going to your house immediately today. Zacchaeus scrambles down the tree. He's out of breath looking up at Jesus. You want to go to my house? Yes. I want to go to your house. Okay. Now, at first, this kind of scared me because, you know, Jesus coming to my house, coming to my bedroom, coming. Bleh. I don't know about this. Back in the day, my mom used to walk into my room, and I used to be into. Uh, oh, boy, this is kind of embarrassing. I used to be into Prince. And it's the 80s, guys. Come on. Men wore lace back then, it was all right. And. and, and and I had these like Prince posters on my wall, and my mom walked in. She looked at the look at this filth on the wall. If Jesus were to come here today, do you think he'd want to see this filth all over the wall? No. So I had this like I had this complex with this idea of Jesus coming again. So we were in church, and they would say, "Saints, can't you wait to see Jesus? It's to come again. Isn't it going to be wonderful when he comes to the clouds of glory?" And I was always like, "Not really." <laughs> I always thought it meant that if Christ came again, I couldn't play my Nintendo anymore, and wouldn't be able to play with my toys no more. Optimus Prime or Megatron or. I had to change my music, change the playlist. On, you know, I mean, it's like, come on, no. I mean, Jesus, no, just wait a little bit longer. And it's, wait, wait until we get married, Lord, then come, right? And after you get married, Lord, come now! Come now! Now, Jesus! with Christ coming, and yet Zacchaeus doesn't seem to have a problem. See, you understand, Zacchaeus is a notorious sinner. He's a tax collector. He wasn't a part of the, 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 the holy rollers. He wasn't a part of the Sanhedrin. He didn't, he didn't regularly attend the synagogue meetings. He, 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 I mean, Zacchaeus the night before just held an after party from the MTV Video Music Awards, and, and you know, he had stuff that was still lit on the coffee table, stuff in the refrigerator that, that Jesus would, would consider water and wine and all that other stuff. And, and there, there was stuff 
in, on his computer on the history of the internet of sites that, that he knows would not, he knew would not be pleasing to Christ. There, there was stuff in his DVD collection and, and his CD collection, his playlist on his iPod. Was, I mean, it just, there was stuff that just wasn't right. Posters on the wall, people still hanging over after the, the party and, and just doing all kinds of stuff that were ungodly. And Jesus says, I want to go to your house. And Zacchaeus says, sure. My mom always liked to give the appearance that she kept a clean home. <laughs> and before the advent of cell phones, the only way you would know someone was going to drop in unannounced was by ringing the doorbell. My mom looked out the peephole, saw one of her girlfriends. <sighs> All right, boys. <laughs> and we knew what we were supposed to do. We ran all throughout the house. We started picking up stuff off the carpet. We closed every door, every bedroom door. And, 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 and we would go into the kitchen, and, I, and, and, and I, I'm being very honest here. We would take the dirty dishes, throw them into a pillowcase. Take the pillowcase full of dirty dishes and put it into the closet. And when my mom finally opened the door, wow. her girlfriend would come in and she'd be like, oh, girl, you sure do keep a clean house. <laughs> Look at your place. And my mom was like, girl, you know me. You know how I do it. <laughs> Mom's friend would look at us, how you doing, boys? Jesus coming again the same way, you know? I, 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 like, I wanted a warning, so I was actually pleased with the signs of the times because that's when I was going to get my life together, as if I was going to make it to the signs of the times, right? But, but I'll just wait. I'll wait until certain laws are passed, you know? I, I, I'll, I'll wait until I really see the world coming apart, and then I'll get my life completely together because I just want to spend at least a few years outside the church, right? And have some fun. Now, now, what, what, what's funny is that everything outside the church ain't fun. It, I, I, I mean, but don't they, don't they play it up like it's a lot of fun? Yeah. And even when you come back to the church, you want to act like you had a lot of fun. You know, back in the day, you know, I was, I was all, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? But, you know, I had to come back to Jesus, amen, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but back in the day, you know, we weren't having fun. We don't have fun out in the world. You don't have fun. I'm telling you, it, it's a lie. The world has been lying to you. That's why the prodigal son returned home. And the older boy, he was like kind of upset. Why, why are you throwing a party for him? You know, he went out and he just wasted everything. And, and now he's coming here. And, you know, you're going to slaughter the veggie calf for him, but not for me. And that's not fair. And the dad hits him upside the head. Boy! You have been with me always. Everything I have is yours. You never had a hungry night. You didn't have to waste your money on people to, to, to spend the night with. You have a fiance. Boy, you have not needed or wanted anything. You want to trade places with your brother? He's naked. He's ashamed. He was eating with pigs last time I checked. You really want to switch places? 
You think it's more fun out there than being here in the house? Now get in there and have some cake, boy. So I waited for the signs. I waited here until I heard the doorbell. Then I wanted to get everything ready. But here's the thing. God already knows what's in the closet. Stop trying to fake it with him. If you, if, if you had to fake it with members, for sure don't fake it with God. He already knows. He was in the room when you were, you know, he was there. Lo, I am with you always. Yes, he there with you. Yes. He was there that evening. I know. I know it's uncomfortable now, but he was there. He saw you put the stuff in the pillowcase. He saw you close all the doors. He knows underneath the bed. He knows the history on your, on, on your computer. He knows it all. He knows it already. Don't play with him. In fact, might I say, you can't get ready for Jesus' return until you allow him to come first in your life. When you hear the doorbell ring and you look out and you see Jesus, say, Lord, open the door. Lord, please get, it is a mess up in here. I mean, I have been up to no good. Lord, I'm a loser, Lord. I just, I, I, I thought doing my things my own way were going to work. But Lord, I'm telling you, it's a mess. But I heard you know how to clean stuff up. I heard you're the great physician. So please come in. And Jesus comes right in. He comes in, he brings a mop, he brings a broom. He has an apron, he'll wash dishes, he'll do it all. Ezekiel 36 says, I give you a new heart and a new mind. I put my spirit in you and I will see to it that you follow my laws and my decrees. Let Jesus come in first. Zacchaeus knew this. He's like, you're not going to play games. Jesus, you know my life is a mess. Zacchaeus, that's why I have to come over. If you had it all together, I wouldn't ask to come over. I would just give you a pound and then just roll. But I knew you needed me. But I'm not ready for you. I know. That's why I'm coming over. I'm not even sure if I like you. I know. That's why I'm coming over. But Lord, I know I don't love you. I know. That's why I'm not coming. That's why I'm coming over. But Lord, I, I'm not ready to be baptized. I know. That's why I'm inviting you. I know you're not ready. That's why I'm coming. Let me eat with you. So, Zacchaeus allows it. God is there in his home. Christ is there. He's eating with him, having a meal with sinners. People are grumbling and complaining. And finally, Zacchaeus does something that I, oh boy, I don't, I'm not even sure if this would have been my first response. But just by Christ eating with him, Zacchaeus stands up in front of everybody and says, Today I declare that I will sell half of my possessions and give the money to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. He's going to sell the chateau in the lush hills of Jericho. He's going to sell the two-horse-powered chariot with the 42-inch gold-plated ribs. <laughs> Half of his possessions he's selling. And he'll give the money to the poor. And if he's cheated anyone, which was everyone, he will pay back four times the amount. I know we don't have a lot of mathematicians up in here, but how much money do you actually think he ended up with after this financial crisis. He probably didn't have a penny to his name. Guess who was still happy? Zacchaeus. Because he had a chance to see Jesus. He opened up the door and let Jesus come in and sup with him. 
He was now friends with Jesus. He knew God, and this is life eternal. This was exciting. Yes, Lord, I give it all up for you, knowing you. Now, remember the rich young ruler? Jesus says, you want to be perfect? Sell all you have, follow me, all that. And he couldn't do it. Jesus didn't even say that to Zacchaeus. He gladly gave it. Oh, Lord, this is wonderful. You want me to treat my body like the temple? Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to. Oh, Lord. I'm going back to the Eden, the, the Eden diet, Lord. You don't have to even tell me to do it. I want to do it. I want to be like you. Lord, I'm not even going to stop with 10%. I'm going to give as much as your church needs. I sell it all for you. I won't even walk the extra mile. I'll walk at least three extra miles. Whatever I can give. Lord, I just, I am so moved by being in connection with you. I'll give it all. I'll give it all. Family, I don't know about you, but I'm challenged by Zacchaeus. He's living life on a limb, isn't he? He's putting himself out there, isn't he? Not allowing people to get in the way, the crowds to get in the way. He's taking advantage of Jesus passing through. He'll climb up a tree. He'll, he'll find a vantage point where he can commune with God, where he can see God, where he can hear him. He opens up his, his, his heart, his home to Christ to come in because he knows it's a mess. And the only way it's, he's ever going to get better is if Christ comes in. So he's good. He'll allow it to happen. Do it. Jesus, I'm living life on a limb. I'm not, I'm not going to cling to it. I'm not going to cling to my old ideologies, my old ways, my old traditions, Lord. Whatever it takes, I just want to know you. I want to be friends with you. He lives life on a limb. And his life challenges us to do the same thing. Where it's not about, Lord, what, what, what must I do to be saved? Lord, what do I have to do to be saved? But Lord, what do I get to do? What do I, now that I'm a follower of yours, what do I get to do? What can I give up? I, I, not what I have to give up. Lord, what can I give? Can I give more? Can I give even more? Not just the Ten Commandments. Lord, give me some more of those other commandments. Some of the obscure ones no one likes to talk about, like loving your enemies. I want that commandment too. Ah, I want it all. I want it all. And Jesus stands up and he says as we close, Today in verse 9, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Family, 2,000 years ago, like Zacchaeus, Jesus humbled himself and climbed a tree. Our shame was put on him. What should have been our humiliation was placed upon him. And Christ climbed that tree in order for you to see God. So that one day you would be able to see God because Christ is going to pass through one last time and rip open the sky. Back in the day that used to scare me but now I can't wait. I can't wait to get home. I know you think that heaven's going to be boring. I used to think that heaven was going to be like a big old petting zoo. 
And all he would do is watch the clouds pass by and think, wow, wasn't it so much more fun? But you know, God's the inventor of fun. You know that, right? He's the inventor of good times. He knows how to make us smile and make us laugh. And, and he has provided a place for us where we get that 24-7 forevermore. You think life is fun here? Trust me, what God has in store for us far surpasses what we've ever experienced here. Won't you let him come in? Is there someone here today that wants to make that stand? You've never given your heart to Christ. You've been too scared. You've been too afraid. You, you thought about what it was going to cost you, but now you realize it doesn't really cost you anything. You just get to get rid of everything that got in the way of you being happy and experiencing real joy. And you want to make that stand. You want to say, Lord, I want to give my heart to you. I want to be baptized. I want to come to know you the way Zacchaeus came to know you. Come to my house. I open my door for you now. If that's your desire, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. You're not going to have to come forward. Just stand to your feet. There's someone here this morning that wants to make that stand. Is there anyone? You're not doing it for me. This is just for you. You can accept him on your drive back home. You can accept him later on tonight. But there's something about standing right now. As he calls in front of friends and family and confessing. And right now we know one thing for sure. You have that moment. You have that time to make that choice. Is there someone here that wants to make that decision before we close out in prayer? Is there anyone? 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 I know you hear that knock. I know you do. You hear that knock. And you ask, Lord, are you knocking on my door? Yes, your door. But I'm not ready. I know, Jesus says. That's why I'm knocking. Is there anyone? Anyone? Is there someone here today that simply wants to say, I've given my heart to him before, but I've never had an experience like Zacchaeus. I've never been that transparent, that vulnerable. And I want to be real. Amen. Amen. You don't want to be a part of the crowd that gets in the way of people seeing Jesus. You want to be a part of the crowd that helps people see Jesus. And you're simply saying right now, Lord, from this point on, I'm not going to get in the way. Lord, I won't be a gossiper in the church. I won't be a receiver of gossip. I'm not going to talk bad about people. I'm not going to let people talk bad in my presence. I'm not going to allow it anymore. I'm going to care for people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I want my children to see that. As a parent, I don't want to get in the way of my children seeing it. I know I've let my old baggage and my issues get in the way. I know why my children don't like church. I know why they don't want to get to know God. And I want to make sure that I'm in the right place. That I create an atmosphere where my children can see Christ. You can stand to your feet. This is about you. This has nothing. Look, I will not walk away and think I didn't give God's word. I, don't, it's not for my ego at all. This is just about you. An opportunity for us to stand and for your wife to see you stand, your husband to see you stand, and your children to see you stand. The accountability that's there. That's all this is about. It's about being held accountable and being able to stand up and say, I made a stand today. Not just in my heart but I made a stand. You're a grandparent. You, 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 you're, you're in the twilight of your life. But 
you realize that you've been too judgmental with your children? They haven't followed all of your instruction. They're, they're in their 40s, they're in their 50s, and they, and they haven't followed your instruction. But you now are saying, Lord, I know even now I can still teach. I know even now I can show them friendship and I can show them love. I know even now, Lord, I can help pave a way to your throne room. So, Lord, may I be a conduit of your grace, not your judgment, but your grace. They already know right from wrong. So right now, all they need to know is you. May they know you through me. And that's why you want to make a stand. Is there anyone else before we pray? Anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? Amen. 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 Doesn't that feel good? I don't know about it. It just feels good. Just just stand. It's like a burden just lifted. Just to admit, to confess and say, you know what? I have been sick up in this hospital. Doctor, Doctor Jesus, come by me. Give me that new heart and new mind. Come to my house. You're a young person. You're a young person. He said, Pastor, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been through all that baggage you were talking about in your message. The only thing I have to deal with is like Barbie and G.I. Joe and making sure I do well on my spelling test. That's it. But there's something about that God you were talking about that has sparked my interest. And I want to start things off on the right foot. As I get to know Jesus, I want him to be my friend. I'm going to be faithful. I know I'm young, but I'm going to start off with just reading my Bible in the morning or in the evening. I, I, I want to get to that vantage point where I, I can turn off some of my distractions, my cartoons, my video games. I want to see Jesus. If you're that young person, I just stand to your feet. That's it. That's it. This is not stand if you want to be saved. Sit if you... This, listen, I'm not, I'm not... These are specific calls here. All right? I'm not telling you to stand if you want to be saved right now. I, I would think all of us in this room want to be saved. That's a given, right? We're talking about a commitment here. We're not talking about the afterlife. We're talking about the before life. Amen? And we want our before life to mirror our afterlife. I like that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You see those that have stood in commitment. Father, some have made a decision to be baptized. I know. And Father, I pray that you continue to work on their hearts. Father, we thank you that you have called us to this place of accountability. Father, for so long we have been playing games. We have, we have, we have worn masks and our facades have gotten in the way of people seeing you. We're not even being imitators of you. We're, we don't even know what we're imitating any longer, anymore. We, we don't know. We don't even know who we are. We don't know who you are. But now we're saying we want to be real. In you, Jesus. We don't want to be real in our sins, be real to our own baggage, be real to our own insecurities. We don't want that. That's, that's been ruling us for far too long. We want to be real in you. So, Father, thank you so much for dealing with us with such tender mercy. Thank you for coming to our house just the way we are. Thank you for loving us just the way we are. And thank you for loving us so much that you can't leave us just the way that we are. We surrender to you. There's things that we want to give up. Like Zacchaeus, we're going to stand up. Today, there's going to be things we're going to let go of. Because we don't need them. They don't even make us happy. So, Father, we're going to let it go. We're going to subtract from our lives. Not add, but subtract. And give more to you. Thank you so much. 
for climbing that tree 2,000 years ago that we might see God. Thank you for passing through. We accept your invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. We want to thank the Lord for the message today. Our souls have been watered and our souls have been provoked to righteousness. Amen. So we want to thank you, Pastor Henderson, for coming, for sharing so candidly, so frankly, so openly with us and for inspiring our youth.